Sometimes, despite your best efforts, your recovery gets derailed. Powerful life triggers, a lack of support, a wrong turn. Relapse happens, it's frustrating, but the important thing is to not wait another day to get back on track. Foundations Recovery Network is here to help with more than a dozen outpatient programs and six residential treatment centers to choose from. Our co-occurring treatment model gets to the root of your addiction, putting you back on the road to recovery. Call 877-714-1318 to reach our confidential helpline 24-7. We're waiting by the phone. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to Sober Guy Radio. Thanks to humans for bringing us in, and thanks to you for supporting the show. We're live in Nashville at the Innovations in Behavioral Healthcare Conference, brought to you by Foundations Recovery Network. Much love and a big thanks to them for bringing Sober Guy out to Nashville. We're having a great time. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to the show. I'm Shane Raymer. I'm in long-term recovery. Uh, Definitely honored and grateful to serve the recovery community through the Sober Guy platform. I just want to say out there, if you're listening and you or someone that you love is looking for a life free from addiction, you can have one. All you got to do is reach out and ask for help. You can do that at thatsoberguy.com or you can go to foundationsrecoverynetwork.com and you can get more information there. So our guest today is Ben Randolph and Ben is the CEO of Oregon Trail and that's oregontrailrecovery.com. Uh, ben, entered the reco- ben entered recovery in 1998 after struggling with substance abuse for several years. Uh, after working in the construction trades for, for a number of years, he went on to school and earned his master's of science. Uh, ben has a passion for recovery and institutes recovery principles in all of his affairs, including Oregon Trail's recovery. Uh, and as the CEO, Ben and his wife, Jennifer, have applied their dreams of helping others into um, a reality. So, uh, Ben, it's really great to have you here today, man, um, and uh, uh, it's great to be in Nashville as well. How, how's things going for you? Thanks, man. It's good to be here. Uh, it's going great. Nashville's a fun town. Yeah. You know, we've uh, ate at more restaurants than I care to admit to. <laughs> Lots know? of fried food, huh? Yeah, yeah. We're on the seven meal a day plan, you know, so, just to yeah. keep it, things interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We, uh, we've been down to a couple of the spots uh, down on Broadway there, and... Uh, Man, it's some great barbecue, but I'll tell you what, I get so full afterwards and I just, uh, it, it's a little bit of indigestion and that old age that's creeping in that's really doing some uh, injustice on me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need a nap, need yeah. 10 hours of sleep at night. You yeah. know, it's horrible. So I noticed uh, it said here you used to be in construction, uh, in the construction trades. I only asked that because I'm actually a drywall finisher by trade before I got into, uh, into media and communications. Um, what did you used to do in construction? Uh, I was a union laborer. I used to chase grade for heavy equipment, mostly. Um, I ran a lot of iron um, and uh, a lot of big projects. I worked for an excavation outfit for a while. Got it, got it. Were you, um, were you in recovery at the time, or were you still battling substance abuse at that time? I was in and out. Yeah, back and you forth. Um, I, I, that, when I saw that, too, that brought up, um, you know, construction's a hard, a hard business. It's hard on your body. Um, it's, it's hard work. 
And I know for a lot of my buddies that are in construction, um, you know, it's that commonality, almost that social norm to come home and crack a few brews and, um, you know, and kind of loosen up. And um, I think, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that if guys can do that and have a beer or two and it's not an issue. But I know from personal experience and I know other dudes out there um, that it can tend to become a problem because you tend to lean on that, especially in that industry. Um, did you have any experience with that? And uh, what's what's kind of your take on it? Yeah, you know, a lot of people say it's a stereotype, which is unfortunate because, yeah. you know, it's really kind of, it's more true than not. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing is, you know, like, for instance, when I started messing with dope, you know, all my coworkers are like, just have a couple beers, you know, or, yeah. you know, guys talking about, why just have two beers at the bar? In fact, this actually happened to me one time. A guy was telling me how, you know, you just have two beers at the bar and, and then you go home and everything was okay. Well, yeah. then, you know, uh, find out later that he really goes home and sneaks a half case. And, you know, it's a game that he plays trying to get yeah. over on his wife because she monitors how much he drinks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But they're the first guys to say, well, you know, you're doing that hard stuff that's horrible, you know. And, and unfortunately, you know, it's all apples and oranges. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, and I've been there too where, you know, and much you probably were too where, in order to feel better about the life you're creating out there doing what we do, you know, you, you find ways to, to put other substance users down for whatever reason, whether it yeah. be the behavior they're doing to get the drugs or alcohol or, or yeah. the drugs and alcohol they're choosing to do. And, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, I'm hoping that by sharing this, that maybe some of the reader or some of the listeners will you know, kind of grab a hold of it and like, yeah, you know, yeah, shit, you know, none of us are different. It don't matter how much time we got clean. I mean, yeah. we all relate. Yeah. And, uh, and I like how at the beginning, you know, it's like, I always say ring out, you know, if you get to the point where you want to ring out, do it and you reach out. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's no shame in that because I don't know about any of the listeners, but you know, I didn't give a damn if, if, if I needed to get high or do whatever it was I was doing at the time. Yeah. You know, I'd run up on somebody I absolutely did not know, you know, so to reach out to somebody I might know in passing or, or a total stranger to get help um, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So where so if we backtrack a little bit, where did um, where did where did the substance abuse, where did the addiction really start uh, and start playing a role in your life? You know, I was probably an addict at a young age. I mean, yeah. I I smoked pot the first time when I was seven. Neighbors got me stoned. Um, Damn, seven. That's little, man. It's a little dude. That's my daughter's age. Yeah. Crazy. It trips me out, you know. Um, and I grew up in a part of Portland called Family Flats. It's a little, you know, working class blue collar, but a yeah. little rougher. And uh, uh, and so, you know, I just always kind of had that need for more. Hmm. And uh, And then, you know... Uh, through high school and you know I, I maintained okay but you know once I joined I joined the service at 19 I was already drinking alcoholically and then uh, some things happened in the service and I came back from my second deployment and I'd cross that line into PTSD and I didn't know it and wow. um, I came home with a pocket full of dope and a habit and yeah. I didn't know what that was all about where were you deployed uh, I was uh I was over in the Gulf twice during the Gulf War. Oh, wow. 
in the Navy. And uh, just, you know, some things happened on the boat that, you know, I guess my mind couldn't process. Yeah. You know. So. And so you came back and you were obviously sounds like a, a bit of a different different guy at that time from some of the shit that you had experienced. Uh, and you also had a, a, um, an addiction problem at the same time. Is that kind of the case? Yeah. So where does it go from there? It, you know, I just, um, well, you know, it was fun at first, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, it's kind of partying. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I came home with a pocket full of dope, a bunch of money saved, and I thought I was going to be a drug dealer. And, you know, um, it was brutal. It was yeah. just a brutal lifestyle. And, you know, in the choices I was making, um, I got in way over my head yeah. and, you know, of course started going to jail and, um, you know, started trying to get clean meantime. And I caught a case in 95 and got a, about a year clean behind that one. Oh, wow. And, uh, but, but it was, but it was, would you, because you got in trouble, was that kind of what pushed you? Cause I hear that a lot. Like it, it's almost not voluntarily. I got in trouble. So now I have to get clean. Do you think that well, was part of the, it was like or? the only time I got clear enough to think about getting clean. I was, I was laying in Multnomah County jail, which is Portland, Oregon. Got it. You know, and Portland's no joke, man. I don't know a whole lot about it, but there's some, it's, it can be a rough, a rough part in some, some areas, right? Yeah. See now, now it's all uh, a lot of opiates, but back then, you know, I mean, everybody I knew was cooking meth. So yeah, wow, it crazy. was crazy, you know, yeah. and, uh, it's kind of the wild, wild west in the street. Yeah. But, um, you know, again, you know, for the listeners, it's real important to me that, you know, if you hear anything, man, it's that there's hope. I mean, I don't, I don't give a damn what you're going through. You know, we all have hope. And, um, you know, recovery is not a bed of roses, but it's sure a hell of a lot better than anything I ever did before. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, you know, I bounced back and forth. And then finally, you know, I caught another case and yada, yada, yada. And finally, 1998, uh, my ex-wife and I had separated. We had two little boys, and we, I kind of bullied her into getting back together, and we went to detox. And she went under her maiden name because they wouldn't take couples. And oh, wow. they, it just, it was like the perfect storm, right? They, uh, they, I had a bed in a family treatment center that let me go in with the boys while I got her in too. She made it about a week and walked, and I stayed, and I became a single dad. My boys were two and one. Dang. And so, um, you know, I, you know, I didn't have a driver's license for a couple of years. So I rode the bus everywhere with a kid in a backpack and a kid in a stroller. And, you know, I don't share that. Um, I only share that. So, you know, the listeners can say, you know, that it, you know, hopefully what you got going is, is easier than that, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, it, and that, like you said, there's hope. Yeah, like, there's always hope. Like, and it's totally doable. You know, yeah. people used to ask me, "How do you do this?" And I'm like, "You just do." You know, it's like anything yeah. else. You just do it. And so, you know, I had the opportunity to go back to school because when I was getting loaded, that was the one thing I knew. If I got to be like 50 years old and didn't have a degree, that I would regret. Huh. So I went back to school, and it was like, man, it was kind of a god shot where it just kind of rolled out in front of me. Yeah, you know where. Um, I started at the associate level and, um, you know, found a program through the VA that, uh, helped me with housing. And then I got a really nice scholarship 
uh, when I was transferring from the uh, community college down to Portland State. And, uh, and I just, like I said, it just kind of rolled out in front of me and I worked through my master's degree. Um, you know, the, the other part of it is it's been trying for me personally off and on is everybody says, you know, don't go working in the field and call that your program. You know, and, and when I say program, you know, I work a 12-step program, yeah. you know, to each their own. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm also not a purist, you know, there's more than one way to, to get sober, yeah. you know? Um, but the, the key is, is that, um, you know, I did, there are times where you get so lost in the work of helping others that, um, you do lose sight of things I have. Yeah, well, that that's actually it's funny that you mentioned that because it's came up twice now in two of the other shows that we've done earlier this morning, um, in in similar circumstances where uh, the the person is working in the recovery industry but is also in recovery themselves, and that's one of the questions that I had asked was how do you separate that? How do you get you know it's so easy to get lost in the work that you do and then forget to take care of your own needs and work your own recovery program. Um, and, and it sounds like that's kind of where you're going with this. So let me just ask you, like, how do you separate that? Um, the biggest thing is, well, for me personally, the biggest thing is, is I have a home group. It's a yeah. men's meeting. I've been going to it since I was four years clean. Um, and, um, and all like now we have transitional living program with sober livings and all my house managers know man they do not roll through Loyola with any of the guys like that's my space hmm. um, and that's that's one way I separate it the other way I separate oh I see so 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 any of the dudes that are in the um, in the uh, sober living homes they they stay away from that meeting because that's that's your space to work your own recovery shit and not worry about the other dudes and doing the work that you do. Yes. Is that right? Okay, got it. Now, see, okay. So but, setting boundaries, man. That's, right. That's sweet. Well, we're, we're, I'm, I'm blessed, though, in a sense, because Portland's a huge recovery community, yeah. so there's a lot of meetings I can get. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who works in a very small community, and he he finally found a solution um, of... of he moved really, uh -huh. but he was struggling because every meeting he'd walk into, he had clients, ex clients, you know, ex employees. Yeah. Um, and, and man, that can get really rough. Yeah. Um, the other thing is the other, the other key to keeping them separate is having people around you that tell you the truth. Mm. Um, the thing I was thinking about, I was, it was right around my 13th birthday. I was, I, I was doing interventions full time and I was in a hotel in Austin, Texas. I'll never forget it. I was talking to a gentleman that's um, actually been clean three months longer and I've been alive. And uh, he and I were chatting and he said, uh, have you ever heard about those guys that go to work in treatment and, um, and, make, and make treatment their program? And I said, oh yeah, man, I see those guys all the time. He said, you've become that. Oh shit. 
So he was he was just honest with you straight up. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> that was a hard conversation, yeah. man. I was pissed. Um, <laughs> You're like, yeah, screw you, dude. Yeah. What the hell do your old ass know? <laughs> well, and then you know it's one of those deals where I got pissed, and then I just wanted to cry because because he was right. Oh huh? yeah, yeah, totally. Dead set, you know. <laughs> yeah, gotta have those people in our lives, man. And it is tough sometimes, but man, I mean, I know uh, that those are the true, you know, that's the true realness of a a, a, a solid you know, relationship or conversation, I guess, if you don't know the person, uh, but we definitely need that. Uh, so, so where, so when, when did you, um, when did you start uh, going from, from recovery, um, uh, the program, and then actually go into, cause you had mentioned that you went, you, you went back to school. Um, when did you start working, actually working in the industry? Um, pretty quick. I was in my third Third term or sixth term? I can't, I can't remember now. Sixth term. Sixth quarter. Uh-huh. No, no, no. It would have been third quarter. I was in my third quarter in 2000 and started interning at a, as part of the program I was in um, at a, doing DUI work. Hmm. And so I did that for two terms. And then I had a client who um, was a DUI, but he told me about this other program that was un- under the same parent company that he was also involved in that dual did with, uh, dealt with dual diagnosis guys who were parolees and probationers. Huh. And that sounded fascinating to me. So I went and I ended up working for them f- for five years or, or six years off and on. And that got me clear through school. Nice. And, um, and that was you know, that was amazing. Did that help keep you sober too? Like finding some work that you actually, um, felt, you know, purpose, purposeful and passionate about. Yeah, it did. You know I mean? To have value, Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? value, When you, man, when you come good. from that lifestyle, you know, and, and you don't have any value, um, you so you certainly don't have any self value. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure the listeners that are in recovery can relate, you know, looking in the mirror and just, not being real cool with what you see um <clears throat> excuse me so um that was that was the thing you know i mean i remember one of the guys told me he says uh you know looked at me one time we were hanging out playing dominoes because all my paperwork was done and he said uh, you're just like us and i go yeah man more than i want to admit you know what i mean <laughs> so um but i really you know, and I had guys, um, I mean, when those guys made it, they made it. I had one client that stayed in touch with me for years that, yeah. um, he, uh, you know, 50 years old, spent most of his adult life homeless and he got him, you know, he was doing advocacy work down at the state Capitol hmm. for the homeless and um and the mentally ill and he after he got cleaned up yeah yeah we got and he was 50 when he got cleaned up yeah we got him that's incredible man we got him sober and you know got him a little studio apartment that was right near the facility that we used and uh i mean you know so stories like that yeah you know and you know guys like that they make more of a difference than i do you know and i do this stuff every day all day but they're down there you know, talking to the legislature. I've never been before the legislature in the state of Oregon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah everyone's, everyone's definitely got their role. And I, I think, uh, I love hearing those stories like that of, of, uh, of men or women 
who have you know been in been in the later years of their life uh, and and actually turned it around. I think that's a uh, it says a lot. It says that anything's possible. Um, like Ben already said, there's always hope, and it really doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're you know 16 or you're you're 50. Um, you know, it's never too late to uh, to to make some changes. So. Um, let's let's get into a little bit about. Um, oh, hold on, just yeah, a sec. I yeah, wanna, yeah, go ahead. I want to touch on something. Yeah, said, absolutely, Shane. man. So you had mentioned sixteen. Mm-hmm. I just I just had a friend of mine celebrate um, thirty eight or thirty nine years. He and his brother got clean at like seventeen and eighteen. Uh huh. <clears throat> and he shared a really power. So remind you, you know, mind you, he was seventeen when he got sober. Yeah. One of the gentlemen that's in at my home group, Leola. Um, had told him when he came in, he said, don't ever let somebody tell you that they spilled more than you drank. <laughs> he said, if they wow. tell you some bullshit like that, you shut them down. Yeah. And yeah. so it's real important to me, Shane, that we, that I touch on that real quick, because yeah. if we got anybody listening that thinks they're too young, that's bullshit. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, just like, just like my friend, John, that got sober at 50. You know, I got sober at 28. You get sober at 16. I don't, you know, that's that's your stuff, not anybody else's. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It sounds like you got a really cool home group. What's the name again? Leola. Leola. What's up to the Leola home group out in Oregon in Portland, right? Yeah, it's yeah, actually, awesome, I think the website is leolamensgroup.org. Oh, cool. And, uh, Let's put that in there. It is, uh, uh, there's, there's talks on there there's talks about step work i mean you know i mean if all you have is internet access there's some really good resources on that yeah. website yeah that's awesome if i'm ever in the portland area if you don't mind uh, maybe we'll we'll stay in contact and i can uh, hit up a, a Leola men's group meeting man that'd be cool oh yeah that'd be really cool i'd love to have you in there yeah thank you uh, so so let's uh let's jump into uh to oregon trail a little bit tell us about oregon trail um what what oregon trail is what it's about and how it's helping uh, how it's helping folks out there get and stay sober okay so first of all because of my history i'm real careful about what i get into sure um oregon trail was my wife and i decided to start oregon trail because we just needed something longer than the 30-day treatment yeah Um, you know, at the time I was consulting, she and I were both consulting for a treatment center. I'd gone in there to turn their clinical around. She was helping their marketing team and, uh, cause it was, it was just a bad deal anyway. And so, you know, these kids are still walking out, you know, we did really good work and, but these kids are still falling on their face. And so it was like this long-term thing is what we decided was missing clinically to really give these guys and gals a shot at long-term recovery. Yeah. So we started with just men and, um, you know, and we've always been, because I'm a clinician by trade, clinically we've always been very, very strong. And we, um, with Oregon Trail, um, you know, we do out, outdoor stuff, <clears throat> especially this time of year. We do a lot of hiking with the clients. Oh, that's um, awesome. We're doing, we start everybody at PHP. Uh, or day treatment, you know, and then we help them get jobs. You know, the whole thing is you, you, you come to Oregon Trail, you go to work, you go to school, or you volunteer. Yeah. You know, you got to be, um, you, you got to give back. I mean, you got to be a part of society. Yeah. And, you know, we do, um, we do 
so we do groups every day, five days a week. You know, house managers, live-in house managers, most of my house managers on both the men's and the women's side are graduates of the program. Do you have, so is there multiple houses? <clears throat> yeah, we got, um, <coughs> excuse me, I think, we, um, I think we got 35 male beds right now and about 12 female, but we're getting ready to expand female again. Oh, awesome. Um, so those are spread out over the Portland area? Oh, okay, so Portland's made up of three counties, and uh -huh. Clackamas is kind of the southern county, if you will. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> um, so all of our stuff is in Clackamas County. Okay, got it. So um, it, you know, it really, um, and they're really, I mean, when I say Clackamas is also one of the largest counties, I mean, it goes clear up to Mount Hood, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's all pretty close in. Um, they call it, they call it Happy Valley now. It's Clackamas, but Clackamas, Milwaukee kind of the southern tip of portland metro yeah. um and that's where all our stuff is one of one of the things that stands out to me that i really liked that that you had touched on real quick and uh um i know just for me personally i grew up uh hiking and backpacking my grandpa used to take us up to the marble mountains and uh and do just phenomenal backpacking trips when i was a kid and when i went through um you know, my teenage years, like 14, 15, I, I kind of transitioned from backpacking to smoking pot instead, right? And, and so I kind of lost that along the way. And, um, and, and now as, uh, you know, and I still did camping and stuff. Like, I, I, I camped, but I was getting, you know, hammered the whole time camping. That's what camping was about, right? And so as I've gotten, you know, clean now and, um, and, and sober and, you know, I've gotten back into backpacking. We're taking a, a backpacking trip actually in just a couple of weeks up to this place, Paradise Lake in uh, uh, Lake Tahoe and Truckee area. And I, the, the spiritual feeling to be out in the woods and to be out by a lake where there's nobody around you and there's just um, nature and animals and, uh, you know, you're, you're having to filter water and, and eat off a campfire or sleep in a, you know, a tent and you don't have any of that stuff. It just there's something about it that is so spiritual for me and it really helps uh, me to grow and think uh, about life and my recovery and just uh, my family, all that kind of stuff. It's really cool that you guys incorporate that, even if it's just hiking. I don't know if you go to the extent of backpacking, but how do you see the um, the effects of that with uh, with uh, with the the folks that are coming in? Um, how, is that helping them out a lot? And like, what what do you see coming out of that? Yeah, so it's interesting you bring that up, Shane, because we uh, we do do overnight backpacking trips in the summer oh, nice. time, and we had a we had a therapist that worked for us at one point and he you know was newer in the field and i told him i said you know when these guys get around the campfire at night you just let them talk yeah, yeah. and um he came back and he was just dumbfounded because he said you know he goes man some of those guys are my caseload and i go yeah i know and he goes you know he goes man i heard stuff around that fire that i've never even heard in session right yeah because it's that like you said, it gets you re in touch with that spiritual side. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and that's what it's about. Right. When we, like when we go hike in the Columbia river gorge or even, you know, we go down to the Oregon coast and dig clams, you know, all that stuff is, yeah. it's cathartic. You know, we yeah. get out there and, 
you know, we realize there's more to life than checking our phone every 25 seconds, you know? <laughs> That's the best thing I like is when we go up there, my phone doesn't work. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I just, you can't get on it. That's it. We bring a little music because I want to hear some Willie Nelson or some Merle Haggard when I'm up in the woods. But other than that, I don't have any technology, man. It's just me, maybe a couple of uh, buddies who we're with and God and the lake. You know what I mean? Maybe some fishing, whatever. So that's cool, man. That's cool that you incorporate that. Yeah, it's so important. You know, I mean, um, talking to a friend of mine, one of the speakers here, and I wish I knew his name because I'd, I'd give him a plug, but he ties in. He says, you know, a lot of times in the treatment industry, we're missing that spiritual component. Yeah. And, sure. and, and the thing that attracted me when I first got sober, I'm going to touch on this real quick, is, yeah. um, you know, when everybody I got sober with, they get to the third step and they say, well, what's your higher power? And I said, well, my higher power is these three men. And it was my sponsor. Uh, my case manager from the VA and my dad and I you know any question that a guy might or gal might pray over I would ask these three men and I would go best two or three because I had trust issues yeah <laughs> and so all these people would tell me well you can't have that and I'd say bullshit book says I can have anything I want yeah. right yeah so I share that because like you know Shane and I are sitting here on this on this podcast talking about you know different spirituality I mean it doesn't have to be God it doesn't have yeah. to be the God you were raised with it doesn't have to be whatever it can truly be, and like just by my example, and, and I'm dead serious when I say, you know, I just told people get the hell away from me, yeah. you know, <laughs> because I was real, you know, I was desperate. I needed this sobriety. Yeah. But I, but I had to find something higher power ish yeah. that worked for me. And I, I think, I think that's the point. Is 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 exactly that what you just said, Ben? Is that you got to find something so it doesn't have to be what you've been told that it has to be but you got to find something because that spiritual awakening uh it's imperative to carrying this thing forward and moving ahead um and getting over some of the challenges that that lie in front of us because i know damn well i can't do it on my own if uh you know whenever i try to do it on my own i ended up in trouble and so when i stop doing that man things tend to tend to fall in place so uh, man, it's been great having you, Ben. I really appreciate it. Uh, if folks wanted to reach out to you or they want to find more information um, about uh, about uh, Oregon Trail, where can they do that? Um, they could reach out to us at 800-555. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me... Uh, yeah. 855-770-0577. Um, or they can reach me via email at benjamin at... Oregon Trail Recovery.com. And for all the listeners, I just want to say that, you know, I've been, I was born and raised in Portland, and I know a lot of the resources in the Northwest. So, you know, if, if you need a therapist up there, if you need anything, you know, don't hesitate to shoot me an email and I'll help you any way I can find, get plugged in wherever you need to be plugged in at. Um, for instance, night before last, I got a random text message from somebody I don't even know asking for a, uh, a counselor up in Walla Walla, Washington, and so I helped him find one. You know, nice, nice. Uh, that's where the recovery supersedes the business. Like I don't, you know, and yeah. I, you know, I, a lot of us are that way. We just don't give Absolutely. a shit. We just want to help the next guy get better. That's what it's about, man. That's what it's about. So, what's up to the Portland area, man? That's uh, it's awesome. Sounds like there's a lot of good things going on up there. One more time, that's OregonTrailRecovery.com, and that phone number. One more time, if you want to reach out to them, it's one eight hundred eight five five seven seven zero zero five seven seven ben thanks again man it's been a pleasure my friend all right thank you thanks again for listening live from nashville at innovations and behavioral health conference sober guy radio coming to you 
peace, love, respect. For more information, go to www.thatsoberguy.com. Keep your blood clean.